0: Hey there, everybody. This is Dr. Andrea Gould of Boom Goddess Radio and Boom Talk Media. And I decided to try something a little bit different today. And we're doing a session called Staying Sane in an Insane World because... Our civilization has been challenged with change and transformation with only a teeny bit of transition time, and the things we ordinarily learn from going through transition require people to look beyond themselves and their locale and to learn from what the rest of the world does or doesn't do. This very rapid and inconvenient demand for us on personal, local, and governmental levels It demands that we adapt. It's caused a great amount of psychological distress, obviously, among almost all of us. And this qualifies as a major learning event. So while everything seems to be in flux, us human beings are shifted off our regular axes by the necessity of providing safety for ourselves and all of those with whom we come in contact, intentionally or unintentionally. So keeping our balance psychologically personally, professionally, physically, emotionally, and socially, is taking up a lot of time and energy. That truth has motivated this conversation with resiliency psychologist, Dr. Michael Marks. And he is one whose specialty has been four decades of helping people to overcome and confront the result of trauma and disruption in their lives and instead to create lives that are more satisfying and wiser less haunted by disruptive life events. And so thank you for being here, Dr. Michael, in this particular way.
1: My pleasure. It's
0: good to be with you. In this particular way. In this particular way, yeah. (laughs) I invited you because I am interested in highlighting the elements, like what's involved in staying sane in an insane world, And so for today's purpose, I'm using the word insane, not clinically, but to simply (laughs) illustrate how the demands for us to change behavior for our own good and the good of our fellow citizens has upended normal and predictable and customary ways of thinking and getting through the business of living and working in an unfamiliar world. It's become so unfamiliar. So I wanted to come up with maybe five or so ways to cope. And what would you say are the five? And I'm not going to ask you to list them all now, but I was thinking that acceptance and adaptation might be one of the first ones, like accepting reality. What do you think?
1: Well, I think one of the words you use you said changing behavior. I think before our behavior can change, we really have to change our attitudes. When you talk about adapting, and this has been attributed to... um, Charles Darwin, that he said, survival does not go to the strongest. It does not go to the smartest. It goes to the species that's able to adapt. And so one quote, yeah, it's a great quote. It actually was a quote by a businessman, but uh, it's attributed to him. So I think one of the things that we need to do before we begin to change our behavior is to create a flexible mindset. So when people get caught in this idea, when are we going to go back to normal, whatever normal was? um,
0: Well, I think predictable, maybe customary, traditional.
1: Well, we do. We do get to change our attitudes. So for example, saying, uh, when are we going to get back to normal or the way things used to be? We're not going to go back to the way things used to be at least not in my lifetime. What we need to work on is what are we going to do? How are we going to be flexible in this new reality? So it's it's having the capacity to accept what is. It's the capacity to understand there are certain things, and human beings don't like this, but the capacity to accept that there are certain things that I cannot change. But once we embrace that then we can kind of let it go because then we can focus our energies on what we can control. So then we can take a look at those kind of things Uh, and there are all kinds of examples of that.
0: Yeah, I think the uh, taking control aspect or being aware of what we can control is incredibly important like things leading to better health keeping our immune system strong enough to weather a siege in the event that it comes our way. What do you think?
1: Yeah, I think so. And that's, that's again, that's when we can focus on those things, that's empowering to us. That, and that gives us a greater sense of self-efficacy, a sense of empowerment, that I really do have probably more control over a lot of things that typically we just kind of take for granted.
0: So I'd say like reading between the lines that that would involve the capacity to create in order to adapt
1: Yes, and that requires What's being called a flexible mindset so being being able to not just Hold on really tightly to old beliefs old patterns of behavior, but actually to let them go uh, adapt some of them, but also then to be creative and come up with other ways of um, dealing with your life. So designing, depending on your personal routines, you know, doing things like I, I am I'm a very routine oriented person. How fortunate. <laughs> yes. And I'm finding even, I'm finding myself even more fortunate in the midst of this pandemic. So the more we can have a routine, that's something we can control. It's something we know that's coming. There's not uncertainty in it. I get up at 4.30 every morning. Well, actually, my cat wakes me up at 4.30 every morning and demands to be fed. But I also, uh, I was doing that before I had this cat. And so i have a very yeah
0: (laughs) she's now adapted to your schedule right
1: yeah that's true so so i have this routine so i do some tai chi i do some meditation i now i've had to adapt my spare bedroom to a gym so i go in there and i'll spend probably an hour doing all kinds of exercises, resistance training, those kinds of things. That you used to do in a gym. That I used to do in a gym. And so, and then I will begin my day with uh, making breakfast, checking my calendar, uh, starting, I teach classes. So I have classes every day that I check in with. I have time set aside for grading papers. And then I set aside time for meetings. These are all scheduled, my calendar. I always put things in my calendar so I can look and say, okay, this is what my week hopefully is gonna look
0: well, like. Well, you're fortunate enough to work. We're fortunate enough to work during our days. But what about those people who might not be fortunate enough to work? How might the rest of us <laughs> begin to add routines to our day? like? The routine of calling people, the routine of connecting, the routine of relaxation Mm -hmm. or stress reduction. Mm -hmm. You mentioned meditation. Mm -hmm. One of the things I always leave leave time for is time for writing. Mm -hmm. So I think it's really important that no matter whether people are working, no matter whether we are working or not, that we have a routine that involves stress reduction in whatever ways work for us. And so many people have decided to, it'll bring us to the next big piece of business, but the willingness to learn new skills or to adapt to new new situations by learning new skills like painting, like bird watching, mm-hmm. like sketching, mm-hmm. writing, or poetry, or playing games doing
1: puzzles. <laughs> <laughs> well, I come back to what you mentioned was I have scheduled appointments to talk with friends. I have uh, scheduled uh, times once a month. I grew up in a very small town and so uh, kids that I went to, people, old people now, <laughs> kids. kids, yeah, people that I went Seven. from kindergarten through <laughs> high school with, uh, we get together once a month and have a a uh, class reunion, and out of sixty people in the class, probably ten to twelve of us get together regularly. Uh, also, in my family, we call it the cousin reunion, and every couple of weeks, everybody will get on a Zoom meeting. Uh, my brother, my sister, my cousins, uh, our kids, and and we have an exchange, and it's always something. That uh, we can look forward to, and uh, catch up with each other. How are we coping with what's going on? Sometimes it turns into a a venting session, you know, where this sucks, I hate this, etc. But those are, sometimes we need to do that too. We need to just kind of... We need
0: to schedule some venting. Yeah. Yes, right. Yeah. But as you pointed out before in our conversations, that that venting needs to take place in a confined period of time. Right. And it's so important that we don't let the venting you know, overcome or overwhelm. So another thing that's implicit in our conversation, I think, you called it flexible mindset. I call it growth mindset. I call mm-hmm. it the willingness to learn and the willingness to learn from others as well as the willingness to just simply learn for the pleasure of learning.
1: Yeah, too often we get in those um, stuck mindset. Stuck mindsets where we have certain beliefs that we've never looked at, we've never challenged. A lot of the work that I do, I I jokingly tell people that we um, created certain beliefs when we were five or six years old based on life experiences, and we never questioned them. So we go throughout our whole lives living with a mindset or a belief that is based on something I decided when I was five years old. And so I really need to be open to challenging those. Actually, you can develop a sense of humor about them too. But then to begin to be open to looking at other ways of looking at your situation, how you view yourself, other people, and the
0: world. You know, when we're talking about learning, I think one of the things sometimes we see as missing is the ability to learn about the behavior of the virus, the behavior of those in charge of helping us find a way of living on the planet with this virus, Um, our ability to look at other, not other civilizations, maybe other civilizations, but other countries and other cultures um, to see how they've dealt and be willing to learn from other people and to be willing to learn from science and the experiments that are involved in producing treatments or vaccine to go beyond the sound bite okay a map vaccine will be here next year but really understanding what is involved so we can adjust our expectations yeah
1: well and one of the things to talk about though is to really change a belief or a mindset i I have to accept that maybe I was wrong. And people don't like to admit that they were wrong, so they will hold on to something, you know, even if it's wrong because I don't want to admit that. And so in our current situation, you know, as a country, I believe we have to acknowledge that we've been wrong about this. We've thought, okay, we can just go back to normal. And as a consequence, we're stuck in the situation we are right now because we were just going to go out there and go back to our lives as we knew it. And that has gotten us into trouble. And I think that's a real learning opportunity for us now, not only individually, but collectively, that we can, we got it wrong and now we need to learn from that. And that's your growth mindset is that. I can move forward. It's not to sit around, feel ashamed, and beat yourself up. It's what can I learn? Because one of the things we know is that our most valuable life lessons don't come from our successes, they come from our failures. And so we failed, good, now let's learn from it. And that can be a joyful thing. It doesn't have to be this you know, self-flagellation, guilt, shame right if we team. can
0: get out of the shame and out oh, of the right. entitlement let's take a little break here and we will be back in a couple of minutes to talk more about staying sane in an insane world with my partner dr michael marx Welcome back. Welcome Dr. Michael Marks being willing to take some time from his very, very strict routines to talk with me extemporaneously <laughs> about a subject that plagues all of us. Sorry about the use of the word plague. <laughs> <laughs> no, pun that, no pun intended. All puns intended right. in terms of staying sane and in an insane world and i guess this brings me back to thinking a little bit philosophically about what this in a way major disruption and sometimes we do learn best from the major disruptions or you say the failures in our life, we try to make meaning out of them. So when bad things happen to good people, we try to find meaning in it. And sometimes it's really terribly hard to do that, but the effort itself to find meaning is a real important one. So I'd love to get your take on where do we go with that? How do we find meaning?
1: Well, one of my, my favorite authors, people, mentors, is Viktor Frankl, who wrote Man's Search for Meaning.
0: He's a very good friend of yours. And
1: one of the things he said, uh, for those in your audience that may not know, Viktor Frankl lost his entire family in the Holocaust. And one of the things he learned while in the camps was the idea that when we can't change our circumstance, life challenges us to change ourselves. And that what he found is people in the camps, and I found in my work with trauma survivors, is that we all have the power to give meaning to whatever circumstance we're in, good or bad. Um, Typically, unfortunately, what a lot of people do with trauma or the kind of situation we're in now is uh, those kind of things is what did I do wrong, okay? Rather than really looking at what is the opportunity here for me to find meaning in this. So for example, not just personally in my life, because I am busy, I found that this time has really helped me uh, reconnect with people uh, that I haven't connected with in a long time, because I was always busy. So now this has uh, really helped me look at, you know, the value of those relationships. I'm fortunate enough to live with somebody. So I've learned a lot about myself in relationship to another person. I can't get away from them. (laughs) Sorry about that, okay? And so I've had to learn different ways of handling conflict, for example. I've been able to, like I said, reconnect with people that I had lost touch with. And all of a sudden, we're able to support each other. So actually, what I'm looking at now, as as I'm learning, is how do I keep those kind of life lessons going when this is all over? We have a vaccine, whatever. To Rather than going back to the old normal, I want to keep these things going because they're really valuable to me.
0: I think it's so interesting that many, many men, in particular males, will, would have said at the beginning of this that connection is relatively difficult for them, or not necessarily the most important thing. Um, It hasn't been for many men. Sometimes men have relied on their female partners or friends to bring socialization into their lives. So I can say that I have watched you make that a priority. And I'm so grateful to see that you're doing it. And once you do it, you can share with your clients what you're doing. Uh, In order for that to make a big difference in your life and you'll retain that when, when this is all over. I think also difficult are people who are necessarily introverted. And who are By nature introverted And so reaching out and connecting Has not necessarily been the most Natural thing and yet This situation Really calls for it don't forget we're Talking about staying sane In an insane world So that means that we need To do something differently In order to stay sane
1: Right and that's And as you were saying um, There's a comedian talks about Uh, husbands and fathers don't have friends. (laughs) They they have their wives' friends, are their friends. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think that's really true, uh, certainly in my case and as men that I know. And we really have taken a look at that, where our relationships are typically centered around work or work-related activities. um, But just to spend time Getting together with a group of men on Zoom. And how are you holding up? And what's this feel like for you?
0: There are people playing poker on Zoom.
1: Yeah. So there are all kinds of ways. And again, that's part of the creative process. How do we do these kinds of things? But it starts with recognizing ourselves, what do we need? And then also, what can I do about it? So it it sparks our creativity.
0: And I think that that is... Let me just say something about creativity that we've mentioned before, Bibi and I have in previous podcasts, that creativity actually blossoms within the context of constraints, Mm -hmm. right? So Mm -hmm. we lived a life where essentially as a generation, for sure, as a boomer generation, and I know that a lot of other um, generations, the ones that came after us, might even hold and do hold some resentment but we were able to do as baby boomers in a very fortunate time we get to see that we could do pretty much whatever we wanted yep. to do uh, you yep. know we were able to afford college because of the the act that was passed in congress right. so people who were less fortunate were able to go to con- uh, were able to go to college were able to get educated we could travel you know as we reflect back on all the advantages that we have many of us are feeling number one a sense of recognition and gratitude for mm-hmm. what we have had mm-hmm. and by the way gratitude is another one of those um those traits or those behaviors or a routine of being grateful that does help us stay sane. But at this point, we are, our activities are curtailed. We are living with constraints. How we create pleasure, joy, competence, skills so many of us have had to learn technology skills yeah you know people can't just come to our house and help us the universal geek squad thinks many times before they occur (laughs) before they come to to one's house Mm -hmm. so i think it's really um it is a beautiful thing for us to be able to take time to reflect On What we have had in our lives, what we are grateful for, not only in our past, but in our day-to-day lives, Mm -hmm. that we happen to be grateful that we live together.
1: Well, and I think one of the, in fact, following up on that word of gratitude, a skill that I use and I teach in the resiliency courses that I teach is when you go to bed every night, think of five things People, places, your pets, whatever it is, think of five things that you're grateful for in that day, and versus what I couldn't do, what I should have done, what any of those kind of negative kind of things, because it changes. As I tell people, you know, if I go through all the things where I was disappointed, where I didn't complete a task. Those kind of negative things, what are the chances I'm going to get a good night's sleep?
0: Right. Leads you agitated and
1: regretful. Right. Whereas if I think about the things that I am grateful for, and I can practice some deep breathing exercises, some meditative kinds of breathing, and, and then I go to sleep.
0: And there's a connection between being grateful and finding meaning. Yes, Because if we really slow down and reflect on what we're grateful for, it may not just be a thing or a sentence. It may wind up being a whole thread that leads into other parts of our lives. You know, and, and you are, too, a journal keeper. Mm-hmm. As a matter of fact, you were one of the first men I ever met in my life who kept a journal. And so why did you start keeping a journal? And how did that help you in your life? And how does it help your clients?
1: Well, one of the um, <clears throat> one of the things that journaling always helped me with is actually I started when I was talking about failures when I was in the middle of a divorce. And I wanted to catalog the process and what was going on, what was my part of the responsibility and the failure of the relationship, and then going forward, what did I want to do different? How did I want to relate to people different? And so that's how I started doing it. And then I began through that process to see some of my stuck beliefs. ways, Then how could I change that? And over time, as I would read them, I could see, oh, I let go of that. And this is what now I have in its place.
0: I'm so glad that we're talking about this even just a tiny bit, because I think that this leads us to the last thing that there is a process to life. Life Mm -hmm. doesn't just happen. We don't just want something and get it. There's a process. And one of the things that journaling does is it helps us to see that life is a process. Mm -hmm. And it helps us to amend or append or modify that process because we can. Mm -hmm. We can modify the words that we use. Mm -hmm. We can modify the belief that underlies. Mm -hmm. We can write down what we think is going to happen. And then we can write down what actually happens. Mm -hmm. So somebody might say, I'm gonna be really lonely today. It's gonna be another really lonely day. And in writing it, it may occur to a person or myself or yourself, hey, guess what? Well, I can do something, I have choice. And that's one of the things that's illustrated is really the ability to have choice and to see that we have choice. And then once we know that we have choice, we can exercise it.
1: Right. Well, and that's uh, the philosopher and physician, William James, who's considered the father of American psychology, said the greatest discovery of his generation was that we can change our lives by changing our attitude.
0: Love it. Love it. And I just wanted to make a a little bit of reference to two more things. I'm just going to say what they are having a pet, and being of service to humankind. And the idea of being of service wherever we can, whether to a friend or to a random person or to a cause, is another thing that's really helpful to us. Thank you, Dr. Marks, for being with us today. You bet. Loved having you. All right. Take care. Support for this program comes from AARP Arizona, whose mission for over 60 years has been to empower people to choose how we live as we age. For more information about AARP Arizona, go to www.aarp.org forward slash az. For more information, visit our website, boomgoddessradio.com, and follow us on Facebook, Boom Goddess. We'd love to hear from you. Your interest powers our programs.